This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health and iHeartDogs.com. Dog lovers, welcome to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dog. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and dog lover, and I have a standard poodle named Guy. Dogs are a huge part of my life and a huge part of my practice, so I'm very excited to have this show today and reach lots of dog lovers with good information about how to keep their dog happy and healthy. I have with me a special guest today, Mikkel Becker. Mikkel is our lead trainer at Fear Free Pets, and I am so excited to talk with her today about the way to make a puppy happy and healthy. And I'm going to take a quick word for our sponsors and then come right back with Mikkel Becker after these messages. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right. You scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero Mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back to Dr. Cat, Gone to the Dog. And Mikkel Becker. Welcome, Mikkel. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Cat. So I understand that you have gotten or are getting a puppy. Can you tell us about that? Yes, yes. We have a puppy coming in next week, so he will be eight weeks old. And his name is Indiana. He's a puggle. Um, it, it actually, it was a surprise for my husband, who um, I'm the type of person, it's like every single dog, I want to adopt them. Like, I mean, all the time, Ben's like, no, Mikkel, you know, you gotta, you know, you, you have other ways you can help them. And so that's why I, I volunteer and do other things for pets. And so it was, a, I mean, for, for Ben to be the one to actually surprise me was such a shock and I have just been like so excited my daughter Reagan who's eight is so excited and we just really want to do everything right for him and I know that they've already been working with him on things like handling and just getting him around some other fun playful puppies and he's you know really it's important to have them with with their litter until at least eight weeks it just is a, a really good kind of guideline to go on because they learn so much from their mother and they learn so much from their litter mates so if we get them too soon it can really hinder their ultimate growth so I'm excited that we're getting them at the right time and I have just been preparing on trying to get them all the right toys and everything that I can you know like the different management strategies and I'm just trying to my whole mind has just been wrapped around puppies and you know teaching puppy classes is so fun and something that I love doing but it's definitely different when it's your own puppy that you're preparing for. So it, it's been really neat. And I'm, I'm so excited. And my, 
our senior pug, Willie, it will be definitely a surprise for him. So I'm trying to get him ready as well. So I think it's really important. I'm glad that you brought that up. I think it's really important to think about where puppies are in their emotional development at each age. And I tell my clients all the time, your puppy's got to learn how to be a dog from the dogs, his mom and his siblings. And so you agree with that then? Oh, absolutely. So we can actually do a lot of damage if we get the puppy too soon. And that's one of the problems that occurs a lot from, you know, if you get the puppy from uh, Walmart or, you know, you're out in the parking lot and there's there's a batch of puppies. A lot of times, unfortunately, it's really sad. A lot of those puppies are so young. They're, you know, five, six weeks of age or, or the puppies from really poor breeders where a lot of times they're adopting puppies out at six weeks and they have a, a higher occurrence of different behavioral issues, even things from like dog reactivity to they can be more anxious in general. So at that time with their, with their mother, with their litter mates is so important. And it's also important for teaching them life skills, like how to have bite inhibition. So when they're playing or if they use their teeth to be really careful and to be able to read other dogs' body language and to be able to use their own body language more effectively. So, so many skills that they really need to learn during that time. So everybody's always excited about getting a puppy and you want to get one. And I think the old myth was that you could get them at six weeks, but that's not best for the puppy. And it's like you said, they have developmental problems and behavioral issues down the road. So recommend waiting until at least eight weeks. And I think that you agree. Yes, definitely. And, you know, depending upon the breeder that that you have or the shelter you're getting your puppy from, if they're doing a really great job socializing and it's going to be an environment that's similar to where you're going to have your dog. So say that the breeder, you know, it's a family home and the puppy's right in there and they are doing all kinds of socialization. It's hard to find that. But if you can find someone that's like really that skilled, a lot of times even having the puppy there until 12 weeks of age can even be a good idea. So it really depends upon where you're getting your puppy from. For me personally, I want to do eight weeks because I know that I have all of these preparations and places that I I want to bring him in in a controlled way. And I can do that. But for those who can't do that, if you can find someone that's really skilled in that, I would highly recommend it. So it's more than just a p- one puppy class once a week, although puppy class is absolutely critical as well. Well, I think that we're kind of myth busting. So I want to myth bust the idea that we need to be adopting puppies at six weeks. And there's another myth I'd really like to bust about vaccinations. I think veterinarians out there tell people not to get their puppy out and not to expose their puppy to things because they're not completely vaccinated. And although we know that they aren't completely vaccinated, I think maybe we're doing a disservice to puppies to not expose them to things. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's it's really a disservice because there's like a really small timeline where the puppy really learns most of what they're going to be like in life. And so they learn who's a friend, who's a foe, what places are safe, what places are unsafe. So we risk a really big loss if we don't expose them in a way that, that's positive and controlled and that they're kept calm at. But anything that they haven't have an experience is likely to actually go into that kind of window of being something the scary and the unknown. So anything that they haven't experienced, a lot of times they're going to react more fearfully to that, especially after that, like six to 12 weeks is really the prime range for socialization. And it can extend up to 16 weeks. But it's almost like I think of it like uh, puppies. It's like everything that they take in during that time from six to six weeks to up to 16 weeks it's almost like they have this big funnel over their heads. They're just taking in everything and they can learn so much and they have so much resilience. They have a lot of bounce back. So 
even if something kind of scary happens, which, it, you know, there are different life events and noise or, or some kind of movement that might kind of startle them, they can bounce back really fast. And we can a lot of times bring in lots of positives to make that experience even more positive. So it's much better to notice something that the puppy's leery of right then and to expose them to all kinds of different things that we think they might experience during life. But if we miss that prime time, which is that time where the puppy wouldn't be fully vaccinated, it's almost like after, if you socialize them after that time, it's like you turn that funnel upside down. So dogs can still learn throughout life and we can still help them, but it's far, far, far more difficult. And a lot of times we're really backtracking and it's, and, and a lot of times what happens during that time is really irreparable. So if a puppy doesn't have an experience, they've only been in a very limited environment like in the home it's really a huge hindrance and that's where you see a lot of behavior issues and I see that a lot as a trainer. Well so our recommendation on vaccinations according to the American Animal Hospital Association guidelines is that the last distemper and parvo booster be administered no earlier than 15 to 16 weeks so if we kept our puppy you know, in a funnel until the vaccines are done, that's going to do a bad disservice for your dog and it's going to stand you in poor stead for your puppy's emotional health. So we have to find a way to balance physical health and emotional health. Yes, you're absolutely right. So when we take out our puppies to socialize them, we want to do it in a protected way. So I wouldn't, like with our puppy Indiana, I'm not just going to take him to a park or to a dog park or just let him walk around in a parking lot, for instance. In those situations where there may have been a lot of other dogs and maybe unvaccinated dogs, that would be a situation where I would probably carry him or I would have a different way to take him. So with puppy classes, a really big benefit of those is, is finding one that's, first of all, in a veterinary hospital. I highly recommend that. And we can talk more about that. But we want to have surfaces that we take our puppy to that are easy to clean or that there haven't been a lot of other dogs. And so in those situations where maybe we can't always tell, you know, what animals have been there, that's where we can carry our puppies. We can still expose them in a way that's protected. And, you know, it might even be having a, a little play session with a really friendly dog in, in a closed backyard. Or we can set up these different things like we have puppy play groups or even it's not only just exposing our dogs to other friendly dogs, but also other animals. So for me, I have plans to go take Indiana to go meet our horse, Chili. And so getting him exposed to all kinds of animals, he's going to be meeting a pot-bellied pig that I'm going to be working with next week. So I'm just excited to be able to, to expose him in a way that's controlled and, and not only exposing them, but we also want to make it a big positive. So that's where we can add in lots and lots of treats and play and things that they really enjoy. So it's not only are they comfortable with it, but they also think like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love pigs. I love horses. I love all different types of people. So exposing them to lots of different types of people and especially children. And I would say especially young boys because a lot of times dogs miss that. Oh, and love their vet. I've got to put my pitch in for that because I love it when the puppies love to see me. That's the best. Yes, that absolutely is. And that, that's why I think puppy classes in the veterinary hospital are so important. And that's going to be a big thing that's going on with fear-free practice certification is advocating like the use of puppy classes in the veterinary hospital. And that's important because not only are puppies getting familiarized with different things in life that they might be exposed to, such as handling, but if it's done in the veterinary environment, it really helps them to just really get used to, to that space. So it's not only are they going in just to get vaccinations, which we can still make that a positive experience, but they get to go in and they get to have lots of fun with their friends and it's just lots of treats and 
they get little treats dropped on the scale to go up on the scale. They get to say hi to the staff. So having puppy classes in there is definitely something I would definitely recommend. You know, it's really cool because I have a dog that I rescued as an adult. And I mentioned her in the introduction, Sky, and she's a standard poodle. And I use her for pet therapy. So we go into assisted living facilities and things like that. And when she was getting her Canine Good Citizen Award, I had to expose her to things like wheelchairs and walkers and new people. And she hadn't had that, I, I assume, as a puppy. So it was really a learning experience for me, too. You can expose your puppy to all kinds of things, and you might not think of what they need to be. That's a really, really great point because there are so many things we don't think of. And just like you said, a, a wheelchair or even a shopping cart or motorcycles, things that we wouldn't even necessarily think of, but they're likely to encounter throughout life. So the more that we can we can think about those, and there are different lists even online, where you, and I know that you have a great handout on things you can expose your puppy to. So it's so important. And a lot of times, even in my training sessions, we'll have costume days. So uh, it might be just wearing uh, scrubs, for instance. I want them to have a really good association with scrubs or uh, with a veterinary smock. And But doing different things like wearing a surgical mask or wearing sunglasses or wearing a coat with a big hood or getting them around men with beards, for instance, or, or people with backpacks. Those are things a lot of dogs are freaked out by. So I can't tell you the number of dogs that are terrified of men and terrified of men with beards or terrified of people in big coats with hoods. So anything like that is just a lot of times they haven't had a lot of experience with it. And especially during that prime socialization period. So we want to expose them to that and make it a big positive for them early on. And you can have fun with it, I think. I bet you have some really good plans of fun things to do with your puppy. Can you tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. I definitely do. So one of the things that I think we miss out on is a lot of times we might be taking our puppies out. So my, my puppy, oh, I'm going to, I have a few different ideas of things I'm going to be doing with them different different weeks. And uh, one of the things is both going to a puppy puppy class in the veterinary hospital and actually one that I'll be teaching. So I'll have someone else working with them. So that's going to be part of it. And then also going to a different kind of puppy playtime and also training hours. So the main thing during puppy class to look for, it's not about obedience during that time. For me as a trainer, the thing I care about the very most is getting him exposed to different things. So one of the things that I have in puppy class is actually I have like the balance balls and uh, like the ones that are kind of like a flat disc that they can stand on. So that's something, getting them used to a different surface like that, getting them used to stairs, getting them up on the grooming table. So different things that, that we wouldn't really think of, but that are really important for them. And I'm also planning on actually having little little puppy socials at my own house, because a lot of times our puppies are only exposed to family members or just maybe a few key friends that you have over. But it's also really important to invite people over just to come say hi to your puppy and you know, to give them treats. And so I know that we're planning some social get togethers with friends just mainly for that reason. And friends we haven't even seen in a long time, but I want to invite them over mainly just so they can come over and see Indy and make it a really positive experience with him. So if I make that a standard early on, it's really going to help him throughout his life when we have people over, people even just working at the house. So there you have it, listeners. You have Mikkel Becker's stamp of approval on puppy social parties to invite all your friends over and give your puppy treats. I wish I could come to your puppy socials. I wish you could, too. I would absolutely love it. Why don't you just fly over? Okay. It will only take a minute, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so something I think that you mentioned having a costume day and wearing things that are different, and I don't think that our puppy owners 
really even think about that as different, but you look really different to a puppy when you have a hood or a hat. What about puppy clothes? Yes, actually, that brings up a really good point because definitely getting them accustomed to different things that they might wear. So with my pug, Willie, who's now, he's now 11, so he's, he's a, a little old senior. And, um, but starting off early on with him, it was really important to get him used to wearing different clothes and, and even, you know, little hats and things like that. And the importance of that is for some, you know, you may want to dress up your dog. So that would be important to do early on. But for others, things that we might not think about, even if you don't want to want to dress up your dog, is if, if your dog ever has to wear anything from coming home from the veterinary hospital, getting them used to that feeling of having something on their body. Or for dogs that are seniors, or even even for dogs that may have to wear a certain type of bandage or a certain type of clothing to protect them as they heal, it's really important that they're really accustomed to that and used to that early on. And, and I would also add in there, getting them used to wearing the Elizabethan cone or, or what you might think of as the cone of shame. Because when puppies go in to get neutered or spayed, a lot of times they have to wear that cone. And if they aren't used to it, that, that becomes a really big negative and a huge source of stress for a lot of puppies. So getting them used to just putting it on and then taking it off. They put it on, get lots and lots of treats, take it off. And what you see is that the puppies start to stick their own head in through the cone. And that's exactly what we want. So we want to just take away any source of stress that they might have later on. And so for Willie, it's not a big deal for him if he ever does have to wear something when, you know, we're out out in Idaho and it's a freezing winter and we have to go outside. And and I would add, add into that even thinking about putting on booties for them. So for some dogs, it may be during the winter or even even for healing in some cases where they have to wear something. So getting them used to that will really help you out later on. I would add in maybe some muzzle training. People think yes. that muzzles are awful and terrible and they look like Hannibal Lecter, but muzzles can be a very valuable tool as you move through your dog's life. And if you can teach your dog it's not a big deal, that's good. Yes. Oh, I love that you said that. That is exactly what I feel and what I think. And like, even in puppy classes, we'll, we'll have the dogs just practice putting their own nose into a muzzle and just so they can get lots and lots of treats with it and, you know, think of it like, wow, this is a big positive for them. So whatever we expose them to, making it positive and, and looking at basket muzzle training them from the very start, that can help you so much later on. And a lot of times I'm a big fan of muzzles for the reason that we can actually train our dogs to willingly wear them. So you can almost think of it like a cookie mask or like a treat bag a horse might have on. So the dogs get really comfortable with wearing them. And what happens a lot of times is, is when we're working with a fear-free veterinary staff, a lot of times you can even use less restraint to no restraint in some cases if we're doing other measures to keep them calm. And it just adds on a measure of safety that protects the team and really protects your dog. So I am definitely a big fan of, of muzzle training. Dogs are so age, especially puppies. You said basket muzzles. So for my listeners, these are muzzles that literally are a basket. And the dog can open or close his mouth and you can give treats through the basket. It's not the little tight nylon muzzles that hold the dog's mouth closed. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about basket muzzles. Yes. Thank you for bringing up that point. You know, I, th I think that for a lot of pet owners, they look at the, the nylon muzzles and it doesn't seem as maybe as mean or as, as um, I, I think there are so many misconceptions about muzzles that, that a basket muzzle might look like, wow, that, that you know, might make my dog seem aggressive or anything or something like that. But really, I think that that thought is changing a lot as people start to, to become familiarized with, hey, muzzles can actually be a really cool tool, if we can, especially if we can train the dog 
to feel comfortable with wearing them. And the basket muzzles especially are much better for dogs and are really my go-to when they're used because, as you said, they can still eat treats with them, uh, which is very difficult with the, the nylon, the cloth kind of muzzles. And they can also pant, uh, which is really important to dissipate heat and also to have a way of releasing some of their stress. And they can still drink. So that's really important for them. So it may look like movie magic in Hollywood, but it's actually a much better option. So we use those in my animal hospital also, and I'm a a big fan of those. So, okay, so I know you have a plan, and we've talked about exposing your puppy to in your home and things out of your home. What about teaching your puppy how to be handled? Do you have a plan for that? Yes, definitely. So I think that there is kind of a general awareness that it's important to get dogs comfortable with being touched in different places and getting them comfortable with having their ears handled and things like that. I think that that where that plan falls short in most cases is that it's not really anything like what the puppy's actually going to be exposed to later on. So ear handling, for instance, we just touch the ears momentarily and then kind of go down the rest of the body, that can be helpful as a start. But what I think we really should work up to with puppies and really with dogs that are going to have these kinds of procedures is to get them used to the actual procedure itself. So with Indiana, what I want to do with him is get him really used to having his ears handled, but also working on actually doing ear treatment. So working on on touching that area with two hands, putting in the, in a wipe so just or a dried cotton ball, So getting him used to the actual motion and pairing it with some really big positives and also things like getting their temperature taken. A lot of times, I'm sure that you've talked about this before, the temperature isn't always going to be taken during the veterinary visit, but when it is taken, it can definitely be a a source of stress for a lot of dogs. So why not get them used to that early on? And we just even use like a get them used to it with just a cotton swab or a Q-tip and just handling back there. Not that you actually have to go through and do the whole thing, but we want to make it where it's not like, whoa, what are you doing back there? And that becomes a big source of stress for them. So getting them used to that, nail trims are a big one because so many dogs get incredibly stressed out with having their paws handled and having their nails trimmed. So making that a big positive for them from the very, very start and I would recommend working with a fear-free veterinarian or uh, with a fear-free groomer or, or a trainer, someone that really knows what they're doing and can do it in, in a good way that helps your dog feel comfortable and relaxed versus just handing your dog off to a pet store groomer that maybe you don't really know how they're doing the actual nail trim. Because what I see so often is that the puppy was okay with nail trims and then just one traumatic experience can really set them back for the rest of their life. So so getting them used to it yourself and pairing lots and lots of treats with it and also working with a professional if you do use one for your dog's nail trims who really knows what they're doing in that way. You know, I have a client that drives from another state with his dog to see me because I'm fear-free certified and his dog had a traumatic experience at one of the big box pet stores and he saw the experience through the window and took his dog, but his dog is distrustful and has to be handled in a certain way because of that one experience that one day changed the life of this dog. Yes, unfortunately, such a common story. And I love that he goes to see you because you know, it's so important to prevent that as much as you can and to take all precautions of working with the right people and not just, you know, a lot of times it's kind of, you know, you hand the dog off and it's like, oh, I don't want to see that. Or it's, you know, we'll let them do it. And the person may say, oh yeah, the dog was fine. But I love that he was able to actually see that because a lot of times we don't see what actually happens in places. So I think that open door policy of knowing how that person is handling and working with your dog is really important. 
to make sure that they're doing it in the right way. Because if they're having to hold the dog down, the dog is, you know, maybe they're even frozen in fear. A lot of times people don't, don't see those signs. And probably for, for a lot of people that do the grooming, I think that, that a lot of them have really good intentions. And they mean well. They just don't recognize the signs of fear, anxiety, and stress. And they may not even recognize it until the dog goes into a full-on bite or they snap and growl. So a lot of times it escalates to that point before they, they maybe do something. And even then, a lot of times, unfortunately, it might just be putting the muzzle on the dog and going through with it. And that's the, the type of muzzling that I don't recommend. It's just, you know, shoving the muzzle on and you know, forcing your way through fear and just pure terror of that dog, that is definitely a traumatic experience that that really will impact that dog in a negative way. And sometimes for a lot of dogs that have gone through something like that, it goes all the way to the the dog has to go right into sedation. They even have their paws handled. And, you know, unless you go through a lot of other measures to get them comfortable and used to it again, but it's it's really a big, big problem and, and we can prevent it. And we can prevent it in our puppies, which is why I'm so excited that you are here with me today because you're excited about your puppy and you've got all these plans. And if you can handle ears and feet and even rear and puppy clothes and exposing your puppy to people in hoods and men with beards and have puppy parties at Mikkel's house, then you're really (laughs) doing a good service for your dog. I love that. One last thing I I thought of I have to add in there is getting your pet accustomed to being pilled early on. So both a pill form of medication and also a liquid form. Getting them used to that with having the handling. So one of the things in puppy class that we'll do is we'll actually practice handling around the mouth, which is also really helpful if you're going to be brushing your dog's teeth, which I know is a a big thing that would be great for people to do. It doesn't happen very often because a lot of dogs aren't comfortable with that, so they might struggle. We can actually teach them that early on, the mouth handling for having their teeth brushed and also mouth handling for when they get medication. So if we can get them used to that that actual process early on, it really helps them out when we have to, to give them pills at a later point. So I really want all of my dog lovers out there to remember a few things that we talked about today. You want to adopt a puppy at eight weeks or later. You want to expose the puppy to tons of things, anything you can think of. And don't worry about the fact that the vaccinations are incomplete. Just be smart about what and where you take the puppy and teach them about different ways of being handled and different things like muzzles and taking pills and all of that kind of stuff because you can't underestimate or you cannot adequately realize what an impact that age is in the development of a puppy. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, this just shows how much I am excited about my puppy and how I want to do the right thing. My husband and I actually had a vacation scheduled to go to Mexico and I told him, I'm like, okay, you know, you brought me this puppy. Like, I'm so excited. But I'm like, I, I'm sorry, hon, I have to cancel our Mexico trip. I am staying behind because I want to take full advantage of his socialization window and and make it the very best that I can. And it's that important that I will cancel my trip to Mexico because of it. Well, you only get the one shot at the socialization period. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today, Mikkel. It's always so fun to talk with you, and I'm so glad we got to talk puppies. And I'd like to thank all of my listeners today on Dr. Cat, Gone to the Dogs, on Pet Life Radio, and of course, my amazing producer, Mark Winter. And I want everyone to go out and raise the rough. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.